Welcome to worship, the second Sunday in Easter, or properly, I should say, the second Sunday of Easter. A couple of announcements about the service itself and a couple of parish notices before we begin. The first hymn, 386, we will be singing verses 1 to 4. So that might be helpful for you to know. And the final hymn, the sending song is 392. I see it's marked on the board. It might be notated in your bulletin, but just in case, it'll be 392 as our final hymn. Immediately following the service, our council will be meeting, and on the agenda, I'm excited about this, um, we'll be talking about the combined worship and potluck with First Lutheran Port Colburn, and I hope I didn't let too much slip by telling them that's what we're going to be talking about today. I, they, they seem pretty excited about it too, so uh, I think it'll be a wonderful get-together. Uh, the other is a prayer request of sorts that this coming Saturday, Pastor Julio and I are leading a retreat of confirmation age youth. We're going to be talking about baptism, and we will be convening at uh, Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd in Niagara Falls. So we're eager for that to happen, and looking forward to, we think there may be as many as 15 young people. We'll see. But please pray uh, that the Spirit does what needs to be done for all of us as we gather and as we explore the faith. According to St. John. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. 
Reach out your hand. Put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of our Lord. Won't you be seated? Grace to you and peace from the one who was, who is, and who is to come. For Jesus, it was never really about evidence. It was about eternal life. For Jesus, it wasn't about proof, but it was about the presence, the ongoing presence of God in the world and in our lives. God comes looking. That seems to be the core truth of it all. I'm going to spend some time today looking at patterns of how Jesus seeks us out, how God seeks us out. Some of you might remember a sticker, a bumper sticker. It was a round yellow sticker, I think, and it said, I found it. Does anybody remember that? I was in middle school, I guess, junior high, and I didn't know what that was about. And even people in the know seemed kind of coy about it, like they were trying to elevate your attention. Well, it turned out the I found it was a movement of people saying that they had found Jesus in their lives. I would applaud that, but I think I would reverse the arrows. Jesus finds us first. Jesus finds Thomas and the rest of the disciples behind locked doors. And the sequence of what happens is very powerful when you consider here is this crucified one, now risen, appearing in our midst despite locked doors, who blesses, who offers peace, who bestows on us the Holy Spirit, and then commissions us just as the Father has sent Jesus into the world, we too are sent. So this really is a story about all of us. And it might be tempting to spend time with, well, what's Thomas's deal? Should we be like him? Should we not be like him? Does he doubt? Does he believe? I'm not going there today. <laughs> but instead, I would like us to go elsewhere to consider how it is that Jesus shows up to someone like Thomas, someone who would be on the outside looking in, that Jesus speaks to his doubts without judgment, without scolding, but by giving Thomas what he needs, which is an encounter 
putting his hands into the nail-pierced hands, putting his own hand into the side, the wounded side of Jesus. Jesus invites him to do that, but the text isn't really clear about whether Thomas actually does it. But what is compelling is that Thomas, even with that invitation for himself, without prompting, says, my Lord and my God. Another witness to the resurrection. But Jesus comes looking for people like Thomas, and it's a consistent pattern. Do you remember the woman at the well at Sychar? Maybe you don't know this story. Jesus comes to her. She is an outcast, ostracized by her community. Jesus comes at the noon of the day, and he engages her. And he really listens to her questions, her struggles, her doubts. And he offers her what Jesus offers time and again, himself. You might remember the story of one who was expelled from synagogue after he had been healed from blindness. Jesus finds him and helps him with that struggle of being disconnected with community, yet having this experience of healing from Jesus. Consider the first followers of Jesus even. He came looking for them. And what happens when he seeks them out? They want to know, what are you about? And how does Jesus respond? Come and see. Experience for yourself. So Jesus offers himself to his followers. And now he offers himself to Thomas. I enjoyed a comment by Professor Caroline Lewis, who works with preachers, some of us who have been at this a while and some who are just starting. And she says that when Jesus feeds the multitudes, if you look at all of John chapter 6, a very lengthy passage, Jesus over and over again offers himself. Speaks of himself as the bread of life. So I think you have a sense of the rhythm of the way Jesus works. And it is indeed consistent with how God works. You might know some of these stories. At creation, at the cool of the day, it was God's custom to walk in a garden, to commune with those first people, Adam and Eve, to have a relationship with them. Later, God would come looking for Cain in a field that had turned crime scene to confront him and yet to offer some hope of redemption. That God would show up in a broken, violent society and find someone named Noah and ask him to build an ark in hopes of a new beginning. God would show up in the desert in the form of a burning bush 
and would get the attention of a shepherd who really was a murderer on the run, if you know Moses' story at all. And God would say to this Moses person, you now have a job to lead God's agenda of liberating people. And think to Advent. Do you remember God's messenger coming to Mary, a young girl, and saying that she would have a child and this child would be the very word of God, made human, made flesh, who would give himself for the world. podcast I listened to this week invited us to consider that and then to hold next to it the locked doors in our lives. There are the literal locked doors and I think we know those are appropriate and needed. We have had to be careful in a lot of other ways as we continue to wear masks, as we do social distancing, as we're mindful of vaccinations, we're careful about the numbers of people we're with. That's kind of a locked door. Would it be really grumpy of me to have us cast our memories back several months to when we weren't able to even be in a place such as this that we had to stay home for good reason? out of love for each other and not wanting to spread the virus, we stayed home. But weren't we sort of like those disciples? Behind the locked doors, uncertain, fearful, and the pattern shows up again. Jesus comes into our midst anyway, defeats the locked doors, defeats the obstacles, and reaches out to us and breathes into us peace, and a spirit of God. For some, I think it turned out that having a pre-recorded service or a Zoom meeting or cards or phone calls were extensions of Jesus' pattern of arriving into our lives despite the locked doors, finding us. Even now, I think some of us are still feeling a bit jarred from all the events that go on in our world, including a war in Ukraine. And maybe we are feeling an instinct toward more self-protection, cocooning, as the sociologists called it in the US after 9-11. Evidently, if a grave couldn't hold Jesus, Neither could a locked door, and neither can our protective instinct. Because time and again, and now we gather, Jesus is in our midst, offering peace, the Spirit of God, and reminding us that we too have a calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. So as a word is sung and spoken, as bread is broken, as wine is poured, Jesus, the risen Christ, shows up and brings with him what he always brings, life, abundant life.
Amen. Stands 